Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala Rasulihil Kareem. Amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Taala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet, may peace be upon him. Continuing our exploration of the study Quran, <coughs> starting from Surah Two, Ayah Twenty-Four. All right. So Twenty-Four is, and if you do not, and you will not, then be mindful of the fire whose fuel is men and stones, which is prepared for the disbelievers. So this is uh, in the context of the previous ayah, which is uh, giving an answer on what to do if you have doubt. And so it says, if you do not, and you will not, then be mindful, have taqwa, ittaqunar. So shield yourself from the fire whose fuel is men and stones, prepare for the disbelievers. And the note is? The stones are usually taken to be sulfur, or the idols worshipped by the polytheists. The structure, if you do not and you will not, shows that the conditional if is not an expression of uncertainty in the case of God any more than la'alla expresses yeah. anxiety. It conveys a certainty rather than a contingency. Okay. So that's more of a, a grammatical point, right? So la'alla, la'allakum taqtaqun, so that you may get taqwa, hopefully you may get taqwa, um, is also expressing a certainty. And then if here is also a certainty. And so, I mean, a point to think about it then is that if it's saying you will not do it, um, then why is it giving this this uh, treatment for doubt? Because you still have to go through it. You still have to go through the process and see for yourself that you cannot do it. On to 25. Yep. Uh, and give glad tidings to those who believe and perform righteous deeds that theirs are gardens with rivers running below. Whensoever they are given a fruit therefrom as provis- provision, they say, this is the provision we received for time. I've read a lot of Old English, but I've never yeah. seen that word. Hmm. Um, and they were given a likeness of it. Therein they have spouses made pure, and therein they shall abide. Okay, and the note. It's a very long ayah. Yeah. Uh, with rivers running below does not mean that the water is underground, as such a translation might suggest, but simply that the water flows lower than the vegetation of the garden, which contrasts sharply with water in a desert, which is typically not above ground and almost never flows along the ground. So another way to think about that is that these are self-irrigating gardens. Huh. Others understand it to mean that the rivers run through min khilal, such gardens, or simply that such gardens have water in them, similar to the way one says a garden has grapes or olives. Mm -hmm. Such... uh, paradisal descriptions depict the joys of the garden in concrete terms that reflect the ecstatic and rapturous joys experienced on a much lower level in the blessings given to human beings on earth. Far from being non-spiritual, they express in vivid and concrete terms the highest spiritual realities. Okay, keep going. A for time refers to this world, dunya, as opposed to the hereafter, akhira. The usual question of how earthly creatures can conceive of heavenly rewards is turned around, and this verse speaks from the point of view of a dweller of paradise who is remembering the world, though some mention the possibility that this refers to fruits tasted in the garden after death, not before in this world. Mm-hmm. Most, so yeah, <clears throat> um, so part of the passage says, whensoever they are given a fruit, uh, given a fruit therefrom, as provision, they say this is the provision we are given aforetime. And, and so, as he mentions, the, uh, uh, the uh, part of the ayah is, is being expressed from the perspective of the people who are already in paradise. And so one understanding is that these fruits that they will have in paradise 
uh, will recall the fruits of the worldly life. So I'll have a banana in paradise, and this will also remind me of banana from the world. So you're using a familiar comparison? Sorry? Uh, a familiar point of comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, and yeah, I think that's all I was going to say. But okay. yeah. is, there isn't necessarily in, anyone in paradise now, right? Well, that's a hard point to, to make uh, because time does not apply to paradise the way it does now. And so the prophet, when he, peace be upon him, when he went through the night journey, he saw Moses and Abraham and such, right? And he did see people who were in hell. And, and so um, somebody's there. Is that ever taken to be a sort of premonition of the future or, or in the present time then? Um, yes and yes. Again, the key point being that the way time applies to our world yeah. does not apply there. Oh, boy. Yeah. Is it, is it said that people only enter paradise after the Day of Judgment? So, uh, so I will not enter paradise, if I'm shall I will, but not until after the Day of Judgment. Okay. From my perspective of my life, so from my perspective of your life, I'm seeing you sitting in front of me, but you might also be there. Okay. Okay. Meaning, have you experienced the Day of Judgment yet? I don't think so. Okay, therefore, <laughs> you are not yet in paradise. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, but what if uh, I'm dead, then uh, from your perspective, I have not yet experienced the Day of Judgment, but maybe I've already gone through it all. Okay. Possibly. Because all that transcends time. That's the key point. Okay. Whereas we're bound, we're presently here bound by time. Yeah. And in a way, because we're bound by time, it's hard to conceptualize that which transcends time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you got it. All right. Um, going on. Most, most think that the quote, this is the provision refers to an identity in kind rather than the very same objects. Some think that the likeness uh, Try. Oh boy. Mutashabeh? Good. Means... 32p, one notification. Mean, At times, now, Delores, means similarity in appearance. Has died at 86. Good. Before the hit TV show, she was also a singer and an ornate minister. Okay. Okay. Okay, so some think that the likeness, mutashabah, means similarity in appearance with a difference in taste, mm-hmm. or that all the fruit of paradise is of the choicest kind with none of inferior quality, or that rather than being a comparison, the statement of the dweller of paradise is an expression of wonderment, since there is nothing in common between this world and the hereafter besides the name of things. Mm-hmm. So the wonderment is probably the best description uh, in one word of the experience in paradise. So even better than pleasure, it's wonder. Mm-hmm. Although wonderment is a strange word itself, but the idea being that not only will paradise uh, be this wondrous thing, it will keep getting better and better too. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that first shocked me about my initial exposure to Islam was just the depth of discourse on paradise mm-hmm. and conception of heaven and things of that sort because as as far as what i was exposed to in christianity there's there was almost nothing in yeah it's very little yeah. yeah 
And, and paradise in Christianity is something more ethereal. It's, yeah, uh, it's very different. I, I remember crying once when a relative told me there was no McDonald's in paradise <laughs> as a child. <laughs> Broke my heart. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a non-Muslim friend who is atheist, but who always enjoys talking about different concepts of heaven according to different religions. Mm-hmm. And he said quite actively, you know, if there's a heaven, I hope I'm going to the Muslim one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Going on with the commentary. Yep. Uh, the commentators note, the wisdom from the point of view of someone in this life and the fact that paradise contains familiar objects. But this verse also adds the perspective of the dweller of paradise, showing that the life of this world is not forgotten in the hereafter, though its bitterness is gone, as evidenced by the frequent description in the Quran of those in paradise. No fear shall come upon them, nor shall they grieve. For a more far-reaching sense, um, with the Shabbat, they reference another verse. Yeah, that's uh, that's the ayah that basically says there's two types of ayahs, the muhkamat and the muhtashabihat. The muhkamat are the categorical ayahs, and the muhtashabihat are the uh, allegorical ayahs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The spouses made pure mentioned here are said to be free from injury. They're said to be free from injury as well as from menstruation uh, excreta and bodily functions considered distasteful and unpleasant and though reproductive functions are mentioned in the commentaries sexual purity or virginity is not associated with this verse by the major commentators so here uh, the one important point that's not being mentioned here here uh, it looks as though it's speaking exclusively about women right that these spouses made pure are women Uh, but here it's gender inclusive or it's not limited to women. Other passages in the Quran speak of these things called the hoodies, which are these women that have wide eyes and they're virginal and this and that. Um, those, I mean, are clearly females. Here, they're not exclusively females. The, so the word used is the they plural? Yep. Not feminine? Correct. Hmm. I mean, it says literally the plural azwaj, meaning plural oh, zawj. Yeah. yeah. And Mutahara. Page two of five. One forty six. I don't know what's happening with this phone. Okay, continue. Um Well, just re- and the reproductive functions are mentioned in the commentaries. Does that is that like a possibility of there being children born in paradise? Probably, but without pain. <laughs> That's so strange. Yeah. Can't imagine being a child born in paradise. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> what a life. Yeah. Um, okay, so there. I mean, imagine those parents. Back when I was your age, Rarely. we were on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Because your parents say that now, but then you have comparable woes. Yeah, I mean, I what I say to my daughters. You know, my daughters are seventeen and fourteen. I say, back when I was your age, I was sixteen and thirteen. Right? Yeah, I know they grown. So therein, therein they shall abide, and variants of it, um, the, so the, the quote, therein they shall abide, and variants of this quote are a common refrain, refrain in the Quran describing the inhabitants of both paradise and hell. Lexically, 
uh, Khalid. Yeah, just like the name. Yeah. Abiding has the sense of something that stays, which as a promise from God is equivalent to an enduring or everlasting presence. However, sometimes Khalid is supplemented with phrases such as forever and save as thy Lord wills. And there's a reference to an essay. Yeah, or just you can read the next uh, um, for the perpetuity, if you have that. For the perpetuity and or eternity of the post-humus states, see this essay. Okay, yeah. So, so this is another interesting point regarding time. So it says that therein they will abide, khalidina fiha. And so, so they will be there abiding, which you may translate as forever, but how would you translate it if time does not exist? Who knows? Except that you will always have a presence there. Oh. Yeah, more fun playing with, with uh, um, a world that does not have time. Yet that will have days. <laughs> really? Yeah. So there, there'd be a cycle of night and day? Yeah, but there won't be time. Will people even need sleep? Uh, probably not. Yeah. And each day will be better than the previous day. Well, I guess you don't need food either, but I mean, food is considered yeah. like a pleasurable thing that yeah. people take part in. We like food. Yeah, and I like sleep, so I'll, my parents <laughs> will probably have sleep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like even in the descriptions of food, it says that you'll partake of food, <clears throat> except you're not going to go through the digestive process of food. And. And yeah, exactly. And if you if you happen to burp, it will smell like musk. <laughs> yeah. So every aspect of paradise is wonderment. So strange. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Um, let's do twenty six. Twenty six. Um. Truly God is not ashamed to set forth a parable of a gnat or something smaller. As for those who believe, they know it is the truth from their Lord. And as for those who disbelieve, they say, what did God mean by this parable? He, mis he misleads many by it, and he guides many by it, and he misleads none but the iniquitous. Mm -hmm. It is said that this verse was revealed either when the hypocrites objected that God would not employ such parables, namely those who directed themselves who directed against them in verses 17 to 20, or when a group of Jews scoffed at the notion that God would use a fly or spider in a parable, or when idolaters brought these same objections. And so what their basic criticism is God is so high, it is beneath God to be speaking about these insignificant things, or God is so pure, it is beneath God to be speaking about these pests. And so then the response is, no, it's not. Yeah. The quote or something smaller, uh, which is often understood literally to mean above that, can also be understood as something beyond that in its lowliness. Yeah. So again, what are we seeing? Much of, much of this commentary that they're using is getting into the possible meanings of the individual words. The verse implies that the very same message can both guide and mislead, which is something rather different from simply being ignored. According to this understanding, by being denied the parable and presumably other divine teachings, 
is not neutralized for disbelievers, but places them far, farther astray. This echoes the previous verses in which God seals the hearts and perception of disbelievers. Being iniquitous, uh, fasik? Yeah, fasik. Makes the truth for the denier into something other than the truth, which is to say that one's moral quality decides, at least in part, one's level of understanding. Those who are misled and labeled the iniquitous here are generally considered to be the hypocrites. Okay, so this is uh, one of the, the frightening aspects here, that it's the last sentence is that he uh, misleads many by it, and he guides many by it, and he misleads none but the iniquitous, the facets. And so uh, through these parables, Allah may guide a person, or a person who's astray may go further astray. And then some extend this all the way to the Quran. That through these, through the Quran, someone uh, Allah may guide someone, or may some, let someone go even further astray. Yeah. Uh, Twenty-seven. Those who break God's pact after accepting His covenant and sever what God has commanded to be joined and work corruption upon the earth. It is they who are the losers. Mm -hmm. The covenant mentioned in this verse is understood as the general obligation of human beings to acknowledge God's oneness and worship him, as understood in the pre-eternal covenant, covenant between God and human beings. Or it refers to, quote, and they swore by God their most solemn oaths that were warned to come unto them, they would be more rightly guided than any of the communities, which means the Arabs before the coming of the prophet, or it refers to a specific covenant made with the people of the book. Okay, so the pre-eternal covenant, once again, we're speaking about something before time exists. And this is where Allah Ta'ala rounded up all of us. And he said to all of us, Alastu birabbikum, am I not your Lord? And then we responded, yes, you are. And then it says, so that you will not be able to say on the day of judgment that you are not aware. So what are we saying here? That the people who are iniquitous are those who break God's pact. The pact could be referring to that, or it could be referring to this promise people made that if a, a warner or a guide comes to them, that they will accept guidance. They will jump fully into guidance. Okay? But there were people who did not. Yeah. Some say that, quote, what God has commanded be joined refers to blood ties, whose importance and maintenance as commanded by God appears elsewhere in the Quran. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what God has ordered to be joined usually refers to family. Um, to quote a few verses, but family relations have the strongest claim on one another in the book of God, uh, Surah 8, Ayah 75. Family relations are closer to one another according to the book of God, 33.6. And were you to turn away, would you perchance work corruption upon the earth and break your family relations, 47.22. Others consider it to include any such divine command to keep things joined. Some mention in this context that not only the Arabs had blood ties to the Prophet, so the Jews did also, since Isaac and Ishmael, the, how do I say that word? Progenitor. Progenitor of the Arabs were brothers. The losers are such in the sense of being bereft of something. Chasid mm -hmm. can also denote being lost in the sense of losing one's way or losing one's self. Okay, uh, let's do one more ayah. How can you disbelieve in God seeing that you were dead and he gave you life then he causes you to die then he gives you life then unto him shall you be returned the four stages mentioned here are before birth during earthly life earthly death and resurrection see also forty eleven. they will say our lord thou hast caused us to die twice over and given us life twice over 
The initial lifelessness, uh, literally dead, is understood either as one's existence in the material stuff of the body, literally in the loins of one's parents, or the dust of the earth, or as the state of being, quote, a thing unremembered, uh, in Surah 76, I1, or unknown, in that a thing is called dead among the Arabs when its traces are effaced and it is not mentioned or remembered. Okay, so that's an interesting point, an interesting reflection on the nature of death. Yeah. That at some point you will be forgotten. You know, I find that fascinating when, when I visit a cemetery and I look at old graves. Uh, and I wonder when was the last time someone visited the grave, someone who knew the person visited the grave. Like if someone died 50 years ago, 150 years ago. And, and so such will be the case for all of us. And eventually those, those markers will also be wiped away too. Yeah. Such is the nature of this world. In either case, it refers to our non-existence before our life in this world. Someone like the Sufi mystic Ibn Arabi uh, would understand the lifelessness of our pre-earthly condition to be a state of non-manifestation within God's knowledge, as opposed to nothingness in the ordinary sense of this term. That to which life is first given would thus be that form, surah, in God's eternal knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so... This, uh, uh, I like this line, this pre-earthly condition to be a state of non-manifestation within God's knowledge. So the question becomes, what is God's knowledge? And are we nothing more than something that is within God's knowledge? Is like, that Are we a thought? Yeah. And that is where we get our existence. Yeah. Enjoying it? Yeah. Okay. We'll stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi ilayk wa akhirid da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen